Three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest, somebody who I've been in contact. We've been Facebook friends for at least six years, six or seven years. Her name is Dory, and she has a very interesting story to tell. And we're going to title this this talk that she's going to relate to the audience from witchcraft to Christ. So she's going to tell her story about how she kind of uh, got involved into this new age slash witchcraft slash occult world and how she was drawn out from that uh, that kind of environment into a life, a Christian lifestyle. And I was on her show talking, I think it was my book, first book, Prophet of Evil. We talked about that on her show, Door of Deception, Doors of Deception. And uh, I think our last show was on 2012. So those are still out there on the internet if you'd like to track those down. It's Doors of Deception. Just look up William Ramsey. But uh, we're going to talk about a different uh, different subject tonight. Again, Dory, welcome to the show. Thank you, William. Great. I'm so glad that you agreed to this interview. I, uh, you know, we had talked about it for at least a month, so I'm glad that it's happening. But uh, we had some discussions and you provided me with an outline. But I mean, I guess my suggestion to you is just take your time and tell your story about how you got involved in this kind of uh, world and, 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 and you met some very interesting people in that world. So we can talk about them as well. But uh, before maybe telling your story, you could talk a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got started podcasting and, and telling your story. Okay. Um, I, well, I believe that the capacity for me to eventually get to the point in my life where I embraced witchcraft and magic and shamanism was due to a doorway that was created when I was two, um, two years old, two to four years old. Uh, like many people that you're seeing these days that are victims of satanic ritual abuse, they've been sexually abused as children. That happened to me. And I believe that creates a spiritual doorway for entities to have easier access to you. And that's one of the reasons why those people do that. I was raised by a Catholic mother and um, a father who was uh, Lutheran, but didn't, didn't really go to church. But anyway, my mother was uh, devoutly Catholic and she did believe in Jesus. I don't remember us praying to, to Mary and she did watch Billy Graham. And I remember as a, as a young child watching Billy Graham and, and saying that, you know, Jesus was, you know, I responded to the altar call. Well, like a lot of teenagers, I played around with Ouija boards and things like that when I was in high school, and we um, had really bad experiences, like a lot of people do. And uh, I got married in my 20s and began to go to a local Lutheran church. I took my children to Sunday school. I did all the mom things that moms do. And What part of the country did you grow up in? What state were you in? Minnesota. Minnesota country. And I'm still in Minnesota. I am about 70 miles south of Minneapolis, the metro. 
So uh, I um, lived on a farm with my first husband and my my boys, and uh, everything was you know, was what it was. I mean, we raised sheep and chickens and and had a very normal life. And then uh, my first husband and I had a very hmm, what do I want to call it? Um, it was a Oh, tempestuous relationship, I guess you would say. We we would get into fights and and it would be loud and and anyway. So eventually, after ten years of marriage, uh, he I really gave him the option. I said, I don't think you're happy if you don't want to be married to me anymore. Um, that's okay with me. Um, I will give you what you want. He wanted um, you know no less than joint custody of the kids and wanted me to walk away with. Um, no kind of settlement or we didn't want to do child support. He didn't want to do child support. And I just really felt that my life with him was going to continue to get out of control. We both drank and it was just not a healthy environment for my kids. So I got divorced or we got divorced and it was very difficult for me. Very difficult, more than I had ever anticipated because I did have joint custody of my children and I chose weekends. I wasn't seeing them as often as I needed to, and it affected me spiritually. It traumatized me. And within that trauma opened up those doorways again, I believe, for um, the demonization and for me to open myself up again, not up again, because I didn't practice witchcraft as a child. My mother didn't practice witchcraft, but I opened myself up to I guess the universe and I was watching Oprah Winfrey and I was starting to read some stuff from, um, Oh, that course in miracles lady. I don't even remember her. Mary Ann Williamson. Yes. This is what around the nineties, mid nineties or what? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Mid nineties. 25. Yes. And, uh, so, uh, I had started to do some community theater because when I was in high school, I was always in theater and I really missed it. So I started to do some community theater and, um, it was great. And a lot of people encouraged me to audition for the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. So I decided to do that and I did. And it's six weeks of classes every night of the week. And then on weekends, once the show starts, you perform on weekends every Saturday and Sunday for another like four or five weeks. And I had a full-time job at the time. I was a human resources um, assistant at a um, factory, a meat packing facility. So I did all of this and uh, got into the show and consequently met, oh my gosh, that Renaissance Festival has to be, oh, I don't know, 90% pagan perhaps, I don't, maybe maybe higher. I think so that's I was, common, common for all the Renaissance fairs, not just that one. I think that that's the type of person I would attract. Yeah, I mean, we well, there was people involved in like the West Memphis Three case. She goes to all the Renaissance fairs out here. And sure. Crowley's main, Crowley main acolytes or whatever in the U.S., a guy by the name of McMurtry, that's where they proselytized was at the Renaissance Fairs in Northern California. So I know oh. kind of that's an epicenter or a hotspot for a lot of paganisms, which is inter- it's an introduction, right? Yeah. It, uh, so it kind of started with uh, 
this my 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 performer name is Moxie the Gypsy. <laughs> um, and uh, I was nominated for the best new performer that year and everything. Um, I mean, I really embraced this. This Gypsy character was like my alter ego. <laughs> uh, and one of the, a few of the characters, this one guy in particular is kind of a dark fellow anyway. Not like there weren't a bunch of them. This one guy in particular, wow. He just really didn't like me. And I asked some people uh, at breakfast one morning, I said, why, what is wrong with this guy? And he walks past, not that I had any interest in him, but I mean, he's just oozed like hatred towards me. Like, what is his deal? I've never done anything to him. I don't even know him. And the person I was talking to said, it's your power. And I said, excuse me. And they said, it's your power. And I said, what power? And they said, your 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 personal power, your your power as a witch. And I said, I'm not a witch. And they said, You're kidding. And I said, No, I'm not kidding. And then I had they they must like proselytize because I had then I had people coming up to me and go, you know, going, you you know, come from a long line of witches and yada yada yada. That's actually very common, isn't it? They tell people they're from, yes. they have a bloodline or something. Kind yes. Of kind of flattering type of thing. It kind of, it becomes, yes, you kind of start thinking, wow, because you, you're sort of in love with that romantic idea of, you know, this like hocus pocus, you know, and, and think bewitched and things like that. And you don't really, you don't realize. Anyway, so I went back to my hometown and I knew of a lady that worked at a bookstore in my hometown and I knew that she was into some stuff because I used to live next door to her. And so I went there and leaned over the counter and whispered to her, do you have a printer on witchcraft? And she said, yes, would you like a mini brown paper bag? And I said, of course. <laughs> anyway, so, so I got this primer. Basically, it was a book about what do witches believe, what do witches do, this sort of thing. And what I realized that my liberal views at the time fit perfectly with these readings, you know, which their core is, and it harm none, do what thou will, which of course is a attributed to Crowley. Uh, so I got it's like an axiom. It's like do what thou will and harm ye none or something like that. Yes, exactly. Or it's called a read. R -E -E. Read, right. R-E-D-E. -E, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Which is read. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and I really, uh, it just really resonated with me, of course, because the familiar spirits are just dying to get their hands on me. And um, so I got some book on some books from Doreen Virtue on candle magic and things like that. And what normal, normal, when you, I'm going to say it's sympathetic witchcraft is usually where you start. You start with some candles. If you're trying to affect something, you know, you, you get some candles and uh, different colored ones corresponding with what you're trying to affect. And so a candle magic was probably my first thing that I did. And I had, uh, well, then after the Renaissance festival, after I did the, the Halloween thing that they have there, the trail of terror of which I 
wow, after the Renaissance Festival got done and I did Trail of Terror, I met an entirely new group of people. I What's, what's the Trail of Terror? I don't know. That is a horror maze. Okay. You dress up in costumes and you scare people for the month of October, basically. So all of the people from the Renaissance Fair from the summer then get involved in that, I see. Pretty much. And you stay, I, in, stay in character like you're like the Renaissance Fair, people don't know. It's like Disney. Well, yes, but d- different characters, and that is developed. But anything scary you can come up with. There, you, they, we had Hollywood people that came in um, and showed us how to do makeup and things like that. So then I met an even deeper level of people that I actually met and began to hang out with a vampire cult. Interesting. Uh, yeah who spent a great deal of time at a club in Minneapolis called Ground Zero. Especially on, there was bondage night on on Tuesday nights. And we would all go to this club. And I'm still pretty innocent. I mean, I've done some candle magic. And I've read a couple of books by Dorian Virtue. And all of a sudden I'm hanging out with this vampire cult. And I didn't hang out with them very long because... Uh, that was much too dark for me at that point. They were they, they actually, into blood drinking. You ever hear of the uh, Kentucky? Was it the Kentucky Vampire Cult? They ended yeah. up killing somebody. Yeah, yeah, blood drinking and all those kinds. Of they they were, and uh, that one crime reporter wrote a book on it. His name was Rod, I believe. Uh, Anyway, oh, about the vamp- Kentucky Vampire cl- Clan, or about- yeah, that ended up in Florida killing this girl. Yes, yep, yep, yep. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, they exchanged that kind of thing, and I wouldn't understand for many years later the aberrant sexual energy that creates uh, manifestations in the ether. Okay, demons like blood a lot, and they obviously like human sacrifice. Now, your normal, everyday, average candle magic witch isn't out in the woods sacrificing babies. That's not really what happens. You you have to really pursue those levels at some point. Um, So, but this was just a little too, because one of the things I understood already was that bisexuality was a whole big, huge deal with this too. And that, so that combined with some other things just really seemed extremely unhealthy, seemed really dangerous. And the trailer terror got over with. And I, you know, pretty much, you know, kind of hung out in my, in my hometown, but I um, did spend like a couple of days before Thanksgiving with a group of these people that I had met through the Renaissance festival. And on the way back to my hometown, I got in a really bad car accident and um, shattered my leg. And, and anyway, so now I was, I was, I, I, it was my right leg, so I couldn't drive or do anything. So what I did was I read, I read and read and read and studied and got more magical books. Donald Michael Craig, um, started reading his stuff uh, and whatever else I could get my hands on. I, got the Enochian magic book and I don't know, some other stuff. John D. The John yeah. D. Perfect. Yeah. John D's book. So then in the spring, when I got my cast off my leg 
And I had studied herbalism for years anyway for healing. So I, and now I had been reading that herbs have magical properties besides healing properties. You could use them for spells. So my candle magic was progressing into herbal magic and the herbs had to be charged. And you did that during, I learned all the planetary hours and what herbs corresponded to what planets. So what planets corresponded to love, fame, riches, whatever, that kind of thing. There's certain stuff for all of that. So there was a local store that had opened up and I somehow found out they had herbs, probably from the lady at the bookstore. So I went to the herbal store, which had all kinds of magical implements. And the lady that ran it happened to be, well, she, I came up to the counter and she said, wow, you know what you're doing. And I said, excuse me. And she goes, well, the herbs you picked up and picked out are seem to be pretty specific. It seems like, you know what you're doing. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing some study. And um, so she invited me over to her house. And so I went over there and we drank beer and talked about herbs and she started talking, you know, we started having these discussions about witchcraft and she asked me if I wanted to join the, join her coven. I'm like, well, what do you do? Right. And so it's always daughters of a goddess, you know, some goddess or another. And so I joined that coven and basically we all had black robes and it's kind of like a really weird Tupperware party. So it's all kind of middle-aged women, families or something like that. You know, I had a lot of questions about the coven because I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. And so she, um, you know, it was called the daughters of Artemis and she gave me some stuff to study about the goddess Artemis. And uh, she gave me Buckland's book to, to borrow, to read. And basically that's the complete book of witchcraft, right? Correct. And so I said, yeah, sure. I might as well get formal with this stuff that I had been messing around with at at home. So, uh, you know, I had bought tarot cards by this point and was messing with them and, and trying to learn how to use them and, and all that. So we did the whole thing. I mean, she cast the circle. She was the leader. So she cast the circle. She, you know, did the thing with the Athaman. You raise your hand and you say some stuff. And just the Athaman is the ritual knife, right? Did, Correct. Where did you guys have it in a house or did you go out into the woods? In her store. Okay. So you did in the store. Custom. Yep. Yep. She had a back room. We went back there and that's where that all took place. Except on Samhain, uh, Halloween. Halloween, right? And Some, how many how many participants were there in your first group meeting? Uh, in my first group, six. Gotcha. Okay, it's a small town, it, you know. Um, so when and if people people aren't going to recognize Samhain as Halloween, but if they see the word, it looks like Sam Hain, S A M H A I N, just to clarify. So that one was at her house usually, and there were always more people because she invited people from further away to come in. Anyway, um, we did do, you know, we did prick our fingers and put it into a glass of wine and, and, you know, everybody put a drop of blood in the glass of wine and then you pass that around and you drink it because now you're connected, that sort of thing. So we did all that stuff. 
uh, and this year, probably, you know, we drank a lot of beer and we talked a lot and every once in a while we'd have a ritual. Uh, the new moon, because the moon is dark, is always the prime time for a ritual on any holiday. I believe there's eight, what they call Sabbaths. Um, and there, we didn't do like, we didn't do sex stuff. We didn't do anything like that. We basically would get out a tarot card and do a meditation, a guided meditation. So during one of these guided meditations, and it was in the spring, so I, I can't remember exactly which holiday. I don't remember if it was Ostara or Candlemas. Candlemas is in February. Ostara is the next one, which is what Easter is named after. But we were having a guided meditation, and um, she had us in our, you know, to go to our 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 place, kind of, you know, kind of. Our, well, I... I start having this really vivid vision that I'm in it. I'm in an underground cave. There's all these candles all over the place and there's an altar and it's got the athame and the chalice and the salt and all the stuff. And there's books and bells and yada, 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 which is in bells are a thing, you know, um, to summon the spirits. And um, so there was a huge cauldron. I mean, life-size, like what you see in the old movies where cannibals would cook people in a car. I mean, huge. Okay. So I come out of the water, the black, the water is black. I come out of this black water. It was a re, it was a rebirth and renewal guided meditation. Wow. So I come out of this because actually she's talking every once in a while and you're having your own like things happening in your head. I come out of the water of this cauldron in this vision that I'm having. And I look around the room and I don't remember getting out of the cauldron, but I remember seeing, I remember light, bright, blinding light, and a man in a throne, and I feel this love and this peace. And I look down at my hand, my arm, whatever, in this vision, and I see that I'm connected to this man by a golden thread, a a golden cord, a golden thread. Well, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm on my knees and I kind of am, am hugging his leg. I'm kind of hugging his legs and he just feels so warm and loving. And I'm like, who are you? And he waves his hand around the room and he says, all of this is unnecessary when you are connected to me and you are connected to me and I knew instantly who it was and it kind of freaked me out like what's Jesus doing in my witchcraft guided meditation vision right what really bothered me and like I almost couldn't I didn't say really anything for the rest of the ritual I I was affected and wow, I didn't know what to do with this, but I did know that I had to leave the coven that I knew. So a few days went by and I contacted, you know, the the head witch 
And I said, can I come over? And she said, yeah, something's wrong. And he said, yeah, and I need to talk to you. And I said, you know, we're still friends and everything, but here's my robe. I can't do this anymore. She said, what happened in vision? And I told her and she, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I just shifted gears at that point. Um, I shifted gears at that point to kind of a, I didn't go to any more of her coven meetings, but I still went to the store and I started, um, I don't know, I just started getting more into Drunvalo Melchizedek and the Christ consciousness, okay? This Christ consciousness is a, it's a really big thing actually right now. And some Christians are starting to get into this Christ consciousness that Christ was a great teacher and he was an ascended master and all of this. Mm-hmm. And I, she ended up having a workshop at her store with this psychic lady. And I went and the lady, for some reason, she couldn't stop looking at me during this whole thing. And there was probably about 20 people there. And so afterwards you could pay, you could pay and have her give you a reading and she said, you are from the angelic realm and you are surrounded by angels. And I, we need to exchange contact information because being from the angelic realm is a, is a blessing and a burden um, because you've been given much and yada, yada, yada. So I exchanged phone numbers with this lady and this really made the head of, head of the coven really unhappy because you don't want just some acolyte who (laughs) just happens to know a lot about herbs and is, you know, just handed her robe back like, you know, a couple of months prior to be all of a sudden being told she's from the angelic realm and this and that. Before we move forward, can you explain who Drunvalo Melchizedek is? (sighs) Kind of like a new age uh, type teacher, correct? Yes. He has like Christ is the, an ascended master among ascended masters, but also he also teaches kind of other new age doctrines. He does. He has uh, mystery schools. Uh, He has the, uh, basically the left and right mystery schools. And actually my first tattoo is the eye of Horus from the, I believe right handed mystery school of creativity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Melchizedek is supposed to be based off a uh, biblical passage because that's one of the other things which is magicians like to do is they like to take things from the Bible. They like to twist them and adapt them to their own thing because one of the things that... Um, well, Melchizedek in the Bible was the one, I believe, it was at the time of David or something in Melchizedek or before Abraham. Yes. The, the guy before Abraham who anointed Abraham. It's kind yes. of a mysterious figure, if I remember. Very, yes. Very mysterious figure. And supposedly Christ is of the order of Melchizedek. Right. And that actually ties in with Mormonism because their priesthood has two orders, the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek. So you're kind of into this mystery school, new age, like who is Melchizedek? You know, I mean, and I think he's only mentioned in one very small passage. Very exactly. vague. Who is this person? They very vague. So I got both of Drunvalo's books. Uh, they were blue, 
books, I burned them after I became a Christian. So some of this is difficult for me to pull forward because I've, I've been out of it for a long time. But I went, no, I'm just I went to go see John Below in person, and he was the least impressive person that I went to see because I kind of ended up hanging out with some sort of interesting characters and, and he was the least interesting of all of them. He seemed to be the most concerned with just money and not really who you were or whatever. Well, interesting. So he charged a lot for his, his, uh, his teachings and stuff. Interesting. He did. He's kind of like a cult leader then in a way. He, he is a strange dude, man. He claims to be a walk-in. Which means? A walk-in means that, uh, okay, mm, say, okay, here I am, Dory, but at some point I have an accident and I lose consciousness and another spirit comes in and inhabits me, like perhaps an extraterrestrial or an angel, an angelic, a, a, an angel guide, a spirit guide, a spirit guide inhabits you. It's like now, Ramtha. Have you ever heard of Ramtha? Where the, oh, yes. oh, yeah. Okay. So Jay-Z Knight or whatever, and this guy from yes. um, Atlantis inhabits her. Sorry. These but are so, all. So, so Drumbalo is supposedly in that kind of that sense where he's talked, somebody else is talking through him. Uh, not that someone else is talking through him, that he actually allowed whatever entity it was to actually take up residence in him permanently. So he doesn't channel, he actually became this figure. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I had never heard that term in that reference walk in before. Yeah. Uh, so, and I knew I never wanted that to happen to me. Other people found that really fascinating. I didn't. I started to be really disturbed by these ascended masters and people who were into them. And this is where the St. Germain stuff comes in. You heard of St. Germain? Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> so I think that that is the Rosicrucian guy, isn't it? Or maybe not. Uh, Christian Rosencruz and Rosicrucianism. Christian Rosencruz supposedly is an ascended master. There's this hierarchy of ascended masters. Uh, David Wilcock is into the Ascended Masters. I heard David Icke is as well. Like one of the Ascended Masters is informing him, Rikorsky. You heard of the name Rikorsky? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've heard of Rikorsky. So, so that's Madame Blavatsky. Blavatsky, all right. That's true. Madame Blavatsky pretty much has introduced the Ascended Masters to... Fascinating. I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. Interesting thing, William. Let me really go off on a on a side road here. The ascended master started to really bother me. <laughs> I mean, not like physically, <laughs> but the whole concept. It really started to stink like hooey to me, and I didn't like it. And I uh, followed their thread through Madame Blavatsky to the Episcopalian Church. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Well, they've since kind of buried a lot of There's that. a tiny little bit of background noise. I'm hearing like a little buzzing or something like that. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. Let me try turning down my mic. How is that? Perfect. That sounds better. Sounds good. Is that better? Yeah, it seems better. It just, just seems like the, it, I feel like it's coming from your side. I don't think it's mine. But like a okay. or like a foghorn or something. Really? I, um, I shut my fan off and everything. Okay, cool. All right. Sorry. Maybe I should move the microphone a little closer. That sounds good. That sounds okay. Bad. 
I don't right. know if it doesn't come through on the audience. Maybe so I, I'll turn it I apologize. So there's a tie between the Ascended Masters and the, the Episcopalian Church. I never knew that. There is a tie between Madame Blavatsky and the Episcopalian Church. Um, and there's actually a sort of a Crowleyan connection, too. There's a, oh my goodness, I'd have to research it again. Um, it, it I, I tracked it all down and had copious amounts of notes because it was very disturbing. It had to do with Blavatsky's infiltration of the church. That was her goal to get humanity to worship Lucifer was infiltration right. of the church. And was one aspect of it. Yeah, right. Interesting. Went for the Episcopalians. Yeah. Wow. And they were one of the first ones to have women bishops. They're one of the first ones to have a, um, you know, LGBT. Um, oh, interesting. Bishop. So they're early adopters for that stuff. Wow. Right. Right. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, the Ascended Master stuff was just really, I don't know, it was really weird. So I um, ended up, well, the, the angelic magic that I'm like, I'm leaving these Ascended Masters be because this is just really doesn't seem like my, it's not resonating with me is what you say gotcha. if you're not into something. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't resonate. Right. So I started, I got a book on specifically on, Kabbalistic magic and angelic magic. The book was was angelic magic, but it was written by a Kabbalist. Okay. So I started communing with the archangels of the Kabbalah. I started doing the sigils, writing out the sigils uh-huh. in the some of them in the Theban script, and of course, numerology is all part of all this whole thing. So one thing builds upon another thing. I mean, one day you're burning candles and the next thing, you know, you're writing scripts to, you know, archangels and um, it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And with that, is that all John D stuff, the angelic masters or our angelic communications, or is there other stuff as well? There's other stuff. John D heard from an angel and it was, uh, uh, channeled, it was channeled to him. The Enochian magic was channeled. Right, with the Enochian it, script and all that stuff. Right, right it was channeled to John D. Right. This Kabbalistic magic is different. It's based on the Kabbalah. Okay, sorry. I don't know. Okay. So because it was based on the Kabbalah, it, I felt that Kabbalah is part of you know, Jewish mysticism, which is kind of connected to the Bible. And I really didn't resonate with the goddess thing ever. I always like felt that God was, God was still God to me. And this goddess thing, okay, I got to believe kind of that maybe, it, you know, maybe God had a wife, maybe that's why Genesis says in the beginning, we, okay. And this is, so I got into the Kabbalah and the angelic magic and, um, you know, you progress into deeper, longer meditation. Um, you start doing in your medication, you start doing your own vision casting, which is where you're basically envisioning what you want to manifest into your life, which is what the book, The Secret is all about. All right, manifesting. Wow, great. And it's the secret is really, yeah, gotcha. 
The secret's different than Marianne Wilson, right? Mulan. Yes. Yes, the secret is different. However, there are Christians telling people that the secret, there, there are Christians that I know that read the secret, use the principles of the secret to manifest things in their life. A lot of them are in um, multi-level marketing companies. And this is really disturbing to me because even the witches that I knew and hung around with didn't like the book, The Secret, because you cannot just keep great things into your life because physics apply in the etheric realm as they apply in the physical realm. It was really God who first said, as above, so below, what is done on earth is done in heaven. So there are consequences for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. And that is true in the spirit realm as well. And that's biblical. So trying to just keep riches and power and money onto yourself without having ramifications it is just not, it's just not, it's black magic, really. Um, so, but I got, you know, I got a book from my Jean Gonzalez Whipler and, and I started doing you know, some more spells, I even got into voodoo for a little while. Um, just, you know, some different Orishas and things like that. I mean, I'm telling you, anytime you get into this new age, you have a plethora. It's like a soup of people who are into all sorts of different things. And, um, the, the UFO thing plays into that eventually. Okay. Well, it's something I've been researching very recently, but that's interesting that you as well uh, make that connection. Absolutely. One of the things when you're studying Jungle Melchizedek is you put yourself into this energetic tetrahedron. Okay. And this is how you travel through the universe is in this, uh that, tetra- that, what did he call it the something of life isn't that isn't there another name for flower that flower of life flower of life is that right is that the same thing well his books are called the flower of life one and the flower of life two but the thing that you travel in is called something else and i will look that up or um it might come to me okay it actually might come to me but anyway so you kind of put yourself into this tetrahedron in your meditation and then you you go all over and you meet, um, you meet ET, you meet, yeah, you meet ETs or whatever. I mean, you just, it just all of a sudden you get, this is happening to you. You start seeing them. They start, they start communicating with you. Um, besides the, besides the archangels I had around me and these, these things are all demonic. They're all familiar spirits and they're all things that any magician who wants to summon entities, if you're serious about it and you're willing to put in the time and energy, they will respond to you because they want attention and energy follows attention. Interesting. So I started watching Project Camelot videos and there was this girl named Jessica. Oh, I kind of skipped over the, kind of skipped over the sex magic stuff. Remember well, we don't I, have to cover it if you don't feel comfortable okay. talking about well, that. It's one of those things where, of course, it works because there's a lot of energy involved in that. And 
for whatever reason, demons are very attracted to it, especially any kind of anything that that strays from this is why pornography will demonize you. Anything that strays from normal um, it attracts a high level of energy. And when you're single um, of either sex, it's just you're operating outside of something that is sacred to God. So you're operating outside of God's protection with that sort of thing. So that's all part of this with the angels and everything and the, you know, the Kabbalah and all that involves all these different aspects. So I'm watching Project Camelot and I see this Jessica girl, this crystal child. And I had gotten to be some friends online because now the internet is a big thing. Got to be with some friends online with some other witches and psychics and things like that. And I pretty much had left my local deal and kind of was, was starting to, to get to be deeper friends with, with people outside of Minnesota. And um, I cannot tell you how I met Jessica. Oh, I think I wrote to her. I wrote to her and I resonated with her for some reason. So she got a hold of me. She called me on the phone or got a hold of me on Skype and Jessica and I became friends. And so she was kind of one of these leading lights in Project Camelot. Is that correct? Well, she was one of the interviews that Carrie Cassidy did. Okay, gotcha. She was one of the interviews, and you can still find her on Project Camelot. The interview is very old now, but Jessica is still, her interview is still on there. So I got to know Jessica, and um, Jessica is one that told me that, um, you know, the extraterrestrials were coming to get me at night, you know, that I was an abductee, and that my job was designing crop circles. Weird. So she wanted to induct you into making crop circles? No, she said I was already doing that. So that she, was my job. She tried, and did you believe what she told you was true? Of course I did. Okay. Just like I believed I was from the angelic realm, okay. which she confirmed. I was from the angelic realm. You see, they tell you these lies because you want you something inside you wants to believe them. It's just like reincarnation. Somebody is always a queen or a baron or a famous someone from somewhere right they're always famous or well known no one's ever joe the gravel layer okay no one's ever roger the shrubber (laughs) right such a good point so funny it is they hook you hook you hook you and um so i of course had a subscription to um you know, of course, I had a subscription to Coast to Coast, George Norrie's you know, radio program. And, and, and besides Jessica, I had found Reality Sandwich. I don't, oh, I know. I was watching Stephen Colbert one night. He had Daniel Pinchbeck on as a guest. Gotcha. And Daniel Pinchbeck had just written Quetzalcoatl, you know, 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl. Right. And so I immediately got Daniel's book. And I started uh, finding, going to, to conferences to find Daniel Pinchbeck because I wanted to know. I was now interested in this neo-shamanism. This new shamanism was kind of like my new trip now. Um, and that was, that was his first book in 2002, was Breaking Open the Head, A Psychedelic Journey into the yes. Heart of Contemporary Shamanism. And that's really how he got his credibility 
Um, and, you know, he has kind of a notorious reputation is my understanding. But Pinchbeck has been out there. <laughs> yeah, you laugh. But, yeah, I mean, you can tell probably firsthand. So you tracked him down and went <laughs> and, and became a neo-shaman. Uh, sort of. That was my next, uh, yeah, that was my next goal after the, you know, the, the UFO phenomenon, of course, was still a, a big deal. And I had found a, another couple of ladies in my home down way off from this. By this time, I had I had parted ways with the lady that was the head of the coven from years and years ago. But, you know. Did um, you ever have a UFO experience? Many. Many, many, many. They're very similar to other UFO experiences that other people are telling. Do you believe your experiences with that were in the same line of familiar spirits and this other that, that that's what's happening to you? Mm-hmm. Or that you actually were visited by somebody from another galaxy? They actually come and they take you. Oh, they actually while you're sleeping, they come and take you and it's interdimensional. Interdimensional, gotcha. Fascinating. Okay. Well, we could probably do a whole nother show on your experiences with that. Probably. Yeah. I'm so, interested in that, you know, those people, these people's yeah. you know, so-called UFO, you know, UFO. UFO enthusiasts, right. And when I went to see Jungle and Melchizedek, there was just a slew of them. He seems to attract a great number of them. Oh, really? So he has some UFO stories, too, within his whole over whole, you know, stuff. I didn't know that. Oh, Absolutely. This stuff is deep and thick. So and it's all new age. These guys are all new age. Wilcock and David Good are new agers, also into UFOs. And it goes back to Valet. I just did an interview with Tom Mellett. He's talking about all these guys are involved in this. Ballet, Lavenda's a occultist. Oh, yeah. These guys are uh, level seven OT, uh, OT operating fates and Scientologists who are talking about the UFO, which I think really was uh would bring a different coloration into that study if people knew that he went through the highest levels of Scientology. You know, you can talk about Hubbard and Parsons and Crowley all day. Wow. Absolutely. See, I didn't know uh, that. that is it are you familiar with Project Camelot? You know, I've heard about it. For people who don't know, Project Camelot was was a as I think if I remember it was a two people a guy and a girl who did a lot of interviews that were new age and invited a lot of different people. I, you know, I don't know the real details. Maybe you can fill me in on that. I can. Uh, the videos for the most part are still up. The reason why I'm saying something is because she interviewed Peter Lavenda more than once. Wow. Interesting. She interviewed Standeo often. Now Standeo is a Christian. He was one of the few Christians she interviewed, but she interviewed him often. Interesting. Um, and he she, has a history too, right? I mean, he he's uh, been around. He was at Pine Gap in Australia. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, Nephilim stuff. Okay, which is part of the UFO. Thing. I mean, it's wow. Anyway, um, yeah, I think am I thinking of the right things that Stan who escaped from Pine from from the base in Pine. I may not be thinking. I better be careful. I may not be thinking of the right guy. Okay. But I. I think that sounds right. Does it? Yeah. Okay. So one thing leads to another. And I also found a lady up in Minneapolis who was giving classes. And she was a kind of a Christ consciousness person. She's written 11 or 12 books on the chakras. Chakras are your energy centers, of course. 
So I was going to see, I was taking classes from her. She pulled me aside one day and she said, they want you to write a book. And I said, what? She said, they, I'm like, they, she said, yes, want you to write a book, spirit guides, you know, them, the advisors. <laughs> gotcha. And so I, d I was really resistant to that in my spirit. And <laughs> because she kept telling me to shut the door and sit at your computer and they will write it for you. Interesting. I, so they're going to write you your book. And I just, you know, and, and, and they, pro and, and she said, you will be, she said, they're promising me, you get that to them. And she had an agent for me and everything. She said, you will be as big as JK Rowling. And what's your face that wrote Stephanie Meyer that wrote, you know, and this right. like freaked me out. Full moon. What was it? Stephanie Meyer's uh, uh, vampire uh, stories, right? Yes, vampire stories. Vampire werewolf stories, yeah. Yes, yes. I can't think of the name of it because I just, you know, anyway. Um, so once again, they're promising you bigger and better things because they want you to propagate their agenda. Agenda, right. Right. They want you to propagate their agenda. The so, Twilight novels, that's what the name yes, is. Yes, Twilight. So, um, so, you know, you're into all this stuff, all these aspects, you're covering all your bases because I'm a multitasker and Daniel Pinchbeck is offering a retreat in Boulder, Utah. And I talked to my boyfriend at the time and I said, seems weird that my age to call him a boyfriend, but that's what it was. And I said, do you want to do this thing? And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? He had, we had already gone to a festival where Daniel Pinchbeck was one of the speakers and also Graham Hancock and, uh, so you saw Graham Hancock? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I went to his talk or not. I might have gone to his talk. And then there was another guy too that, that did some Maya thing that was at the, at this festival. So then I went to a retreat and the retreat was very small. It was Daniel and his core people from reality sandwich, um, Jonathan, uh, and his, like his other really core people from reality sandwich, but Dennis McKenna was there who is Terrence McKenna's brother. And of course, Daniel, and you're at a retreat. So you actually, you actually interact with these people very closely. Uh -huh. And um, <laughs> I'll tell you my story privately okay. at some point about, about Daniel. But I, it was kind of funny because I did make a comment and, and Daniel kind of slammed me a little bit in front of everybody. And I'm like, oh. well, I said, you know, that's, that's quite a declaration. I think um, that the research will bear out that what I've said is, is true or something. Anyway, then later on when we were outside sitting at a table and kind of looked to me, he starts laughing his door. He goes, I'm really sorry. I kind of like, you know, called the out and slammed you. And I, you know, I probably was kind of called for it. I said, well, you know, just cause you haven't heard about it yet. I said, you'll be talking about it in a couple weeks or whatever. Anyway. That's and interesting. And Dennis McKenna is the, is the brother of what's his name again? Right, Terrence. Terrence. He wrote DMT, The Spirit Molecule. He's in that movie that was narrated by Joe Rogan in 2010. Do you remember that when you went on the retreat? What year I that was? On the retreat, probably in 2007. Seven. Or, so, okay. no, so it was 2008. Be 2008. So it was before that. And then he, I think uh, Dennis McKenna wrote The Invisible Landscape, Mind Hallucinogens, and the I Ching 
and then yeah. recently return the brain of the return to the brain of Eden, restoring the connection between neurochemistry and consciousness. So he still still seems to be around. But yeah, well, so yeah. D- Dennis was Terence's brother. Terence wrote the I Ching. Terence is deceased. Right. Sorry. That's okay. D- Terence is deceased, died of brain cancer. I can't remember what year, but Dennis, um, Dennis teaches um, bio entheogens. Uh, he's a biochemist. He is the one that Aveda Cosmetics hired to develop their plant based, which I use still faithfully because. Dennis was more into the plants and what the plants could do for medicine and cosmetics instead of using synthetics to use natural compounds. And he was taking people to South America to teach them about plants. Okay. And, but because he's Terrence McKenna's brother, he's very sought after by these people who, you know, want to hang out with him because, but Dennis was teaching when I went to that, that retreat, Dennis was a professor at the University of Minnesota. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And was teaching botany of a high uh, level of botany. Anyway, um, so while I'm at this retreat, some people are joking around about UFOs and wouldn't it be really cool if at the party that night now see I don't drink anymore at this point I stopped drinking and for a few years and um they're joking about wouldn't it be cool if UFOs showed up at the party or whatever and I said well I'll see what I can do about that and one of them turned around looked at me and they said what and I said oh yeah I can summon the UFOs and they said really and I said yeah and they said, well, okay, so see if you can, you know, muster, some, see if you can call them in tonight or whatever. So I wasn't down at the party, but of what I found out the next morning was everybody was tripping on mushrooms and um, my, I don't drink or party. So my fiance and I went to the campground and um, the next day I'm being told all these stories and, and this and that. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of a big joke. And then we went outside to leave that day and there were some very strange people there, very strange um, like stranger than they weren't there the whole time, but all of a sudden they were there that morning and they were very, they were dark. They were dressed in all black clothes and they had black hair and like black leather pants and they were all very skinny. And I came out of the building after breakfast and they started speaking to me and like pick picked or something, something strange. And I didn't know what they were saying, but they were saying something to me. And I wanted to ask some people about them, but we really had to go because we were in Utah and we had to get back to Minnesota like in a couple of days. It was just the oddest thing. It was just one of those really odd things. So we went from Colorado or we went from Utah to Colorado that first leg of our journey that night. And when I, so we had traveled all day and I um, got out of the shower and there was a huge hole in my thigh, like a large puncture wound, like it was punctured with a swizzle stick. Okay. Like that big, it was really weird. And I got really, really sick after we got home for a long time. So I don't know what happened to me. I figured at that point, 
I had been abducted. And um, I also had gotten fairly a, a relationship with Carrie Cassidy at this point through email and Skype conversations. And she was putting on a, a conference and I was going to go to, I was going to go to California and I was going to, you know, help wrangle the guests, you know, the speakers. And, um, but I got really sick at this retreat and I think it was, you know, God was like working already. And then that was like, like towards the, I think the Boulder mountain retreat with Daniel Pinchbeck was like in August or something. And now this other retreat with Carrie Cassidy or not retreat, the conference with Carrie Cassidy was supposed to be in September and I couldn't go. And then in October, I went to visit a friend in Missouri. And for some reason I threw a Bible in with my stuff and I was staying out in her casita and I went to bed for the night and there was this horrible scraping noise on two sides of the casita and the third side was into a carport and um, the back side was covered in thick, heavy brush. So whatever was making this, I mean, it sounded like somebody had a pickaxe and was scraping against the side of your house. It was a huge noise. If they were on the back side, they would have had to have been moving through this thicket. Well, it scared me. It scared me so much. I literally crawled down off because it was kind of a bunk. It was a built up high bed. I crawled down off the bunk and I got down on the floor and I, I didn't want to turn on any lights because I was scared. So I crawled over to my bin where my Bible was and I turned on my handy dandy camping headlamp and I just opened the Bible up to whatever page it opened up to. And it said, I am with you no matter where you may lodge, no matter where you're staying. I am with you. And so I shut the Bible and I put it back and I prayed for protection. That was October and I got back and um, the re- then this old coven lady and I reconnected because she was going to a uh, an initiation with a shamanic, uh, and a Chilean shaman. And I wanted to do this. I wanted to get initiated as a shaman. So I went to the shamanic initiation and the shaman asked me to come to Chile and study with her. So all these things keep happening to me. Like people keep wanting me to come and do these things. And my husband and I decided that we were going to get married at Thanksgiving because his um, children were home from from out of state. So I elected not to go to Chile and study with the shaman lady. Like I told her I would do it in the spring. So this is 2009 now. No, this is 2008. 2008. I got, I got initiated as a shaman like Halloween weekend, got married in November at Thanksgiving and unbeknownst to me, something shifted in the heavens something shifted in the spiritual realm after I got married because I started to get attacked. 
I was attacked on a regular basis by the entities that I had been surrounding myself with for years. It got so bad by the end of 2009, I was sitting on the couch. I was starting to stay up all night because the attacks were so terrible. They were physical. I was being slammed on the ground. I mean, one night my hip was like dislocated. I had constant migraines. Everybody, all my gurus kept telling me to put myself in a bubble of golden light. And I did that all the time. And people were saying, command them to leave. Well, I commanded them to leave. They wanted me to do these things for them. And I didn't, I, I just didn't want to do it. Something in me was resisting. So I was sitting on the couch one night and I'm listening to Coast to Coast, which doesn't start till midnight. So that kept me busy till five o'clock in the morning. And L.A. Marzulli was a guest on Coast to Coast. And he kept talking about the guidebook to the supernatural. And I'm on his website and I'm frantically searching for it and I can't find it. And so I'm listening and he says something about aliens are the fallen angels from Genesis 6. I felt like somebody thumped me on the chest with the biggest hammer. I was just literally felt like I was pushed back, like just boom, it hit me in the chest. And I knew he was right. And so I went and got that Bible out that I had drugged with me got the Bible out and I read Genesis 6 and my hair stood on end and I knew what he was saying was right, but I didn't, I wasn't like ready yet. So in December, the attacks were, the attacks were just getting worse and worse and worse. And I remember having a dream. I was going through a membrane, through a portal and they had me almost all the way on the other side, these entities and promising me all this, you know, fame and fortune and the, the everything that, you know, my gurus were saying about, you know, write this book they wanted and this and that and, you know, study in Chile and, you know, do ayahuasca tourism and you're going to make all this money and money didn't, wasn't a hook enough for me and neither was fame. So they had me in this dream. They had me partway through this portal, but I wouldn't go all the way through. I would not go all the way through. And that, and that was like in November, um, late, the year after I got married. It was almost our wedding anniversary, I think. Anyway, so December, I heard L.A. Marzulli on Coast to Coast. About three days before, um, three days before New Year's Eve, he wrote me back. Well, I wrote to him in December, about two weeks after he was on Coast to Coast. And he wrote me back on December 31st, 2009. I told him about all the attacks, everything I was doing, everything. I just confessed everything to him. And he said, wrote back to me and said, your only hope is to turn away from everything that you've been doing and all the people associated with it. Get your, get on your knees and ask Jesus Christ to come in your life as your Lord and Savior. Your life depends on it. And he said, do it now. I'm going to send someone to disciple you. I'm going to give her your email address, burn everything, smash your crystals, anoint your doorways, turn away, close down your website, close down your Facebook page. Cause I was known by a, a certain name um, back then. And um, I did, I did all of that. I shut it down and I asked the devil to take away 
everything he had ever given to me because I didn't want any of it anymore. And that's why sometimes I struggle to remember what things are called or what the name of the books were and things like that. Because, you know, until I realized that there were people in this realm that, that need help and need people like me to be honest about what we did. Um, you know, I just didn't want any part of it, but, but it is important. It's so important because Jesus is sim- Jesus is simple. And I don't mean to say that in a, in a negative way. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's the easiest thing you will ever do. He doesn't ask anything from you. He doesn't ask you to fly around in UFOs and make crop circles. He doesn't ask you to mix up batches of ayahuasca and have terrifying visions. He doesn't ask you to perform rituals. There's no, there's no next level. There's no next thing. You accept him and that's it. He accepts you back and loves you right there and then. And he has power over everything every creature, every spirit, demon, anything I ever worked with, I say in the name of Jesus, and they're gone. Because believe me, they still try to come and attack me because I played with them once. And the name of Jesus and Jesus Christ in my life has been the greatest, greatest thing that has ever happened to me. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that testimony. So the advice that L.A. Marzulli gave you when you put that into practice, all of the torment from these entities vanished? Ended? Yeah, they, they tried, like, and I would have to, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I had to go through a lot of, I went through deliverance, okay? Um, because I allowed a lot of, I had entities all over my my husband saw them. My grandchildren saw shadow people in the house. I would Skype with people in the new age and they would see shimmering creatures behind me. And uh, they could see them on Skype. They were everywhere around me, in me, in my house. I mean, it was, you know, it was crazy. So I went, you know, I went through deliverance. I mean, you know, Ellie didn't say that, but he did send a person to help me. And she discipled me for a couple of years. I mean, the first book I read was the book of John. And, um, you know, John 1, 1 through 1, 5. John 1, 5 has the most incredible line ever. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, all these people in the new age talk about light. Light, 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 light and love, light and love. It's not the same light as the light that Jesus gives you. And John 1, 5 says, and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. These entities no longer even know what they're looking at. Once you accept Jesus Christ, they almost cock their heads in disbelief because they don't know what they're looking at anymore. It's really, fascinating. yeah, it's and the real deal. Yeah, you've had some incredible experiences, but uh, what a great, uh, great story. You know, I think that your tale fits the title of our discussion, which is, you know, 
witchcraft to Christ. So yeah. thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I think that's uh, maybe we should just finish up by saying that you are starting up again your podcast, Doors of Deception. And so people can look for that. Where could they find that? Uh, it's coming in September and it will be on the Fringe Radio Network. It will also be on Spreaker, Doors of Deception. I'm also working on a website that will be doorsofdeception.net. It is not published yet. It will be published in September when I fire my show up again. And I am currently um, working on, on some interviews like I did before when I did the show. And, and um, hopefully you'll be coming on with Absolutely. me to do an interview about the smiley face killers oh, because yeah. that is, wow. I have, yeah, that's a mind bender. Yeah. I have pages and pages and pages of notes. And um, I just found a sigil that I'm going to forward to you um, that actually has a smiley face on top of crossbones instead of a skull. It's actually a smiley on the, on the crossbones. Very interesting. So I just got a picture the other day of a smiley face at uh, Untermeyer Park, which is where the Process Church used to do its rituals. And yeah, so I mean, it, it's associated with a lot of this deep, dark, occult process stuff. So it's really, I mean, right. I couldn't discount it. So, and it's no. around, people still send me to this day references to smiley faces in movies, mm-hmm. uh, comics that are current of 2018. There's still people are still something is still going on under the under the surface that I, I don't fully comprehend, but I'm beginning to understand more. Right. Right. And how can people contact you? I know you and I interact a lot on Facebook. Is that if anybody has any questions or would like to follow up with you? Yes. Is that a good place. Yes, it is. Uh, there's two places on Facebook. I have a page called doors of deception. I also have my personal page, which you are welcome to friend me on Facebook. And you're welcome to message me there. It's Dory D O R I Etheridge. And, uh, I have, have uh, doorsofdeception at gmail.com. If you have a long correspondence that you need to, you know, send instead of a like instant message, you can get a hold of me that way as well. And I'm, I'm happy to help. Uh, if you, you know, are in a situation um, that sounds similar to the situations that I've been in and you are looking for some help, please don't hesitate to contact me. Um, I'll, uh, do my best to, um, get you, you know, to, to share with you what, what Christ has given me. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story, Dory. I really appreciate it. And, uh, good luck with your future podcast endeavors. Again, thank you. Dory, and we talked about her, uh, her ascension from witchcraft to Christ. Thank you very much for listening.